Good morning, gentlemen. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful, beautiful day, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for the friendships that are represented here, Lord. Lord, because we have a friend in you, you have taught us how to be friends to each other, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for that right now, Lord. And Lord, I would just ask that you would open our eyes up for those people who are looking for a friend in you and don't have one, Lord. Lord, speak to our hearts so that we'll be sensitive, that we'll be vulnerable, Lord. And that before we try to just speak word into people's life, we'll open up the door so that they will hear what you have to say because they know that they can trust you because you love them through us, Lord. And we can be friends. Lord, I just give you praise and thanks right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys can have a seat. If a man's worth is measured in tears, you'll see that this man on the screen behind me was invaluable in my life. His friendship was priceless. And I'm not here to give you a message. I'm not going to preach a sermon this morning. I'm going to tell you a story of how God impacted our lives. First Vince and then through Vince to me. In the Bible, Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together unless they agree to do so? Agreement's powerful, but the funny thing is I see it in the lives of men who aren't saved. Hey, let's go drink. Let's go smoke. Let's go chase skirt. Let's go get in trouble. And usually if you're there, you're like, man, there's power of agreement. You're ready to go. Hang with your boys. Do whatever. You're always in agreement at that point in time. But somehow when we get to find Jesus, let's go to church. Let's treat our wives right. Let's be faithful. Let's do the things that God wants us to do. Not quite as much agreement as you are then. Vince and I were best friends for over 30 years. We have daughters that are the same age. Our wives were pregnant at the same time. And at that time, Vince nor I were saved. We used to run around to the bars. I used to drag him to the strip clubs. And it wasn't that he didn't want to go to the strip club. He didn't want to get caught. Because, see, his wife would have killed both of us. <laughs> so I didn't really care about my wife as much. I was doing what I want when I wanted because I didn't know any better. And then something happened to Vince. Vince found the Lord. Vince stopped doing what we used to do. He stopped being in agreement with me to run to sin. He was my good friend. We used to shoot pool. We used to hang out, you know. We used to, you know, do the things that your ace coon boon and you do. And then he stopped doing it. And then he started talking to me about, well, you know, I went to church. I heard this sermon. God put it on my heart to do this, and I need to do this. And I used to look at him and be like, now you're all religious and stuff, man. That's a wet blanket. I don't want nothing to do with that. See, I was in the world trying to carve out a good career at what I do. I was a musician. I was on the road. I was touring. I was going to get mine because success is how much money you have. It's the car you drive, right? When you have money in a nice car, it doesn't matter that you're a rotten person or that your wife hates you or that your kids don't respect you, right? Because that's what success is. It's how we measure value. A lot of men still don't get it today. You know, if you're here right now and you're thinking what makes you valuable, hopefully you'll understand by the time I get finished with this story. When you die, the tears that are shed for your loss 
is where your value is. Who's going to miss you? Who's going to miss that space you filled in their life? Being a friend, Bruce just sang that song. Thank you, Bruce. What a friend we have in Jesus. If Jesus is not your friend, you don't know how to be a real friend. I titled this story, What a Friend I Had Through Jesus. Because Vince got saved, and for a few years, we'd see each other. Hey, what's going on? Hey, I'm going to church. Okay, see you later. We weren't in agreement. But we still talked. He still wanted to see how I was doing. He still cared about me, but I didn't really want to hear what he had to say. Until I started falling on some tough times. My career was going like this. My family life was going like this. Now, I'm going to be totally transparent. You know, Vince and I are both black. I'm biracial. We grew up similar. Single moms that struggled, really poor. You know, you didn't have a lot. But all of a sudden, I saw things begin to change in Vince's life. Vince's wife's parents weren't necessarily his biggest fans. They lived in a crappy little apartment. He drove a crappy car. I mean, it was a crappy car. Like, you ever drive from South Haven to Kalamazoo, there's a big hill. And I remember if we were both in his car, we had to top that. It was a Renault. <laughs> and if we were both in his car going to Kalamazoo, we had to get it up to about 86.5 miles an hour because that's as fast as it would go. And we'd hit that hill. Mm. It would slow down. We'd get to the top of it doing about 48. Woo, made it. Pick back up to 55. But, uh, you know, I, I would watch him, though, because it didn't really matter what he said unless I saw what he did. A lot of you, a lot of people in general, you know, when you're a Christian, you want to throw a lot of scripture at somebody. And scripture's good. It's valuable. We need to know God's word. We need to have it in our heart. But nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Don't start speaking into somebody's life until they've opened that door and let you step through. And that door is only opened by a friend that knows you, that loves you, that cares about you. Vince would always be like, hey, how's it going? What's going on, you know? And uh, after a while, I finally just told him, I was like, man, I'm struggling. You know, because no matter what success is in the world, if you're not successful at home, you know, for the first time in my life, I thought I was going to put an end to poverty in my family cycle of poverty. I'd get up in the morning, I couldn't even look in the mirror because I couldn't stand to look at myself. But I saw Vince and his family, and I saw his in-laws, who didn't want nothing to do with them, start to step into their life and help them and make a way. You know, Vince went from living in a crappy apartment to his family stepping in and providing for him to be able to buy a house. You know, and he kept getting, you know, he had some crappy jobs. We both had crappy jobs. But you know what? He was faithful. He never let those people know what he thought that job was. He was a good worker. He kept getting promotions. He kept working his way up the ladder and be a little bit more. And I, I would see that. But more than all that, you know, those are ancillary benefits to serving the Lord. What's the real powerful thing here is that the whole time he did it, he was consistent, moral character with integrity, and he still cared about me. And we still talked. We still hung out. We still went and shot pool. And so by that time, I was like, man, there's just something missing, Vince. I grew up in church, too. But, you know, I let a couple of hypocrites and people who don't really know Jesus like they should taint my future as a Christian. So I was going to do it myself. You can't do it yourself. 
You can try, no matter what you do, of your own volition and will, you will fail. And so we just started talking a little bit about the Lord. He just let me ask him a bunch of questions. You know, they were peppered with disdain, and I was just like, you know, are you sure? I don't know if I buy that, this and that, such and such a thing, you know. But he was like, that's fine. You can feel that way because a friend will allow you to do that. And I'll tell you, one of the most valuable things about this man there were times when I needed him to say nothing and he would come to me and he would put his arm around me and he would just cry with me or pray for me just do whatever it takes whatever that person needed as a friend is willing to do it a friend will walk that extra mile he'll give you the coat off his back without even thinking about it. I got to the point in the spring of 99, I was about to have the biggest opportunity of my life. And I felt the crappiest I ever felt in my life. I started working part-time at a video store. Vincent had a job that didn't work out so good. He went to work at the video store. And I thought, well, you know, Where's God now, man, when, you know, your job ended, now you're working at the video store. You know, you're just a clerk at a video store. You know, that's not a blessing. Then something happened to me, and I needed a job, and I went and got a job at the video store. So me and Vince both worked as clerks at the video store. But that time we spent together, we talked about stuff. We talked about our character. We talked about things, you know, that were important to us, you know, whether it was his Pittsburgh Steelers, which I can't stand. He laughed at me because I'm a Lions fan. <laughs> so, uh. You know, we just talked about everything. There was nothing, nothing out of bounds for us as friends, you know, which was a great precedence for accountability. I don't even like to use that word. Because if I say accountability, I can see a few of you winced. Accountability, the A word. Man, if you're not allowing somebody else to step into your life and call you out on some things, you're missing the ball. And it's not something that's some egregious, horrible task that you have to do. It is a super blessing. So anyway, I ended up getting saved in 99. Told Vince I was going to go back to church. I was going to give it a real try. He hugged me. We cried. I ended up going back to church. I ended up leaving that career. And right after I left, I went home to a house that I had been tearing down for years. And my wife and I didn't make it. We went through a divorce. But because of Vince's friendship, I was able to stay in church and get involved and get plugged in. And then right when I was going through the divorce, child support was eating me alive. I lost everything that meant anything to me. I got a phone call. This phone call would have made me a household name, basically. It would have provided for my family for years to come and would have cured everything that I ever thought was wrong in my life financially. And I'm a young Christian at the time. I thought, well, I could just go into this place that is basically the den of iniquity, and I could be a Christian there and change the atmosphere around me. And Viz looked at me and went, (laughs) (laughs) he's like, no, that's not going to work like that. He said, but if you go, I understand. And we prayed. I took the next day off work. I talked to my little brother, too. He's my other accountability partner. 
and I listened to the words that he said, and I didn't know what I was going to say, but I picked up the phone, and I called, and I said, thank you, but no thank you. I'm going to have to pass on this opportunity because I have a house I need to get in order, and I have a child that needs me to be there. You can't replace that with money. Vince knew that. After I made that phone call, I cried on the floor like a little baby for eight hours. And then I went and saw Vince. He was the only person that looked me in the eye and rejoiced because I said no. Because I chose to go back and be a video clerk at minimum wage salary. <clears throat> I didn't understand the value of that decision then. But Vince was like, you know what? You know, you feel like you don't have anything. He's like, you know, I became a part of their family, you know. Vince's son Drew is here. He knows I was around a lot. Used to go watch him play football, sit with Vince, you know. We ended up running the store together. We became the first black-run family video store. At the time, there was 350 stores. We were a B-market store, and we were top 10 producer in the whole chain. And our management and people would come in and be like, what do you guys do here? Well, the first answer is we, we pray together. And there's this really great book that you should read if you're in business at all. It's called The Bible. <laughs> the Bible says treat people how you want to be treated. Is that hard? Vince knew every customer that came in by name. He coached their kids. He was in the community. You know, and I tell you what, you know, sometimes you think you have to do something amazing for God to have impact in the world or God's not happy with you. I tell you what, you ever just try to say hello to someone who looks like they're having a bad day? You know, how many of you heard of the Andrew principle in the New Testament? Andrew was Peter's brother. Now, y'all know Peter is, right? Big preacher, walked on water. You know, Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Which is more valuable? Vince brought me to Jesus. He didn't need accolades. He didn't need the spotlight. And whenever you hear of Andrew in the New Testament, he's bringing people to Jesus. Quick show of hands. How many of you could share your faith with somebody who needs to see Jesus if you needed to? Would you be willing to? All right, good. I think we're all in agreement here. That's something we should easily be able to do. And yet so many times we miss those opportunities because we don't think they're big enough. We start going in ministry and we think, well, I need to be on staff at that church and I need to have this successful ministry and I need these numbers. Those things don't matter. If you're able to share your faith, if you're able to bring one person, your whole goal in this world may be the one person. Let me tell you a story. I'm all over the map, guys. I'm sorry, but I feel like this is important. You guys all know who Billy Graham is, right? You ever hear how Billy Graham got saved when he was 16 at a revival? The revival was packed. He wanted to get a seat and an usher. He was probably reformed. That's just a joke for you reformed guys. He saw two teenagers who would probably take a valuable seat away from somebody who wanted to be there for Jesus. So he told them they were full. 
and dejectedly Billy Graham and his friend started walking away. And another usher from across the way saw them. You know what he saw? He saw two young men who were hungry for Jesus, and they could have their lives changed at that moment. So he ran across the way, cut them off, and he said, I'll find a place for you. And he brought them to Jesus. Billy Graham got saved at that crusade, that event. You know who Billy Graham is. But I bet you never heard of the name of that usher who brought him there. Does it matter? That usher might have been a volunteer, may have been a school teacher, may have just been a janitor at some facility somewhere that people think is worthless. God doesn't. And your value is not in what you do. It's who you are consistently when no one's looking because God still knows. And that's where you have to be. When you go home and you see your house, no matter what you do, when God looks at your house, you are the leader of it. You either lead on purpose or you, by not making a choice to lead, you allow things in that shouldn't be there. Vince and I had this conversation. No matter how strong your wife is, and trust me, I have a strong wife, I know. And there are times that I have to let her think she's leading because I'm just tricking her because I'm actually leading by letting her think she's leading as long as she's leading the direction we have to go then I'm okay with it, you know. But there are times when if we have conflict, you have to be strong enough and loving enough to say, I can't let that happen in my house. Because when God shows up at the house, your wife's going to want to answer the door and be like, hey, what do you want? Can I help you? And he's going to be like, yeah, I need to speak to the leader of this house, the person who's in charge, the spiritual head. Are you the spiritual head of your house? Are you connected to God? Do you pray about everything? And sometimes we think that prayer has to be this long, wordy, you know, Pharisee prayer. Lord, let everyone see that I am pious enough to come before you boldly and ask for things. No, that's not it. The prayer of humility, just Lord, help me, be with me, let me hear you. You know, and put that word in your heart. So when Vince and I, after that moment, Vince and I spent a lot of time together and we started looking for a church that was a little more together than some of the churches we were at. We started seeing things we didn't like. There was no men's ministry. And, uh, you know, I was working at the store. He opened during the day. I would close at night. And one weekend I was here in Grand Rapids opening a family video. And he came up. We had a friend here, Ed Vaughn. And his wife, Vanessa, some of you may know them. They used to sing in the choir. He lives in Atlanta now. And he was like, man, let's call Ed, see what's going on, man. He's like, hey, we got a Saturday night service at Res Church. You should come and check it out. He's like, Troy, I think you'd like the music. I was like, oh, good music. I'm in. We came to town because usually, you know, after the divorce, if I didn't have my kids on the weekends, I'd go to the bar. I'd go where I was comfortable, you know. You want to go where everybody knows your name. They're always glad you came. You know, you can get filled with the spirit that you probably shouldn't be getting filled with. But that place is an easy choice because they make it so easy. They make you feel good. They try to, you know, woo you away from the things you should be doing. So I made the choice. I was like, yeah, I'll go to church on Saturday night. Loserville, though, probably. We got here, and it was amazing. We love the church. We love the spirit. We love the music. And me and Vince were like, man, it'd be worth the hour drive to get that every week. So we started coming to Res. 
And then he came to me one night, and he's like, hey, I found out I got this men's ministry. I was like, cool, man, I'm in. He's like, well, there's, there's one catch to it. It's 6.30 in the morning on Tuesday. I was like, 6.30 in the morning? Man, I'm lucky to be in bed by 6.30 in the morning most of the time. And on top of that, I closed the store, so I got out at 1. So he's like, all right, you close. He says, I'll open. I'll make sure you don't open the next day. He goes, and I'll drive. So literally, I would get out of work, go to Vince's house, leave the door open. I'd sleep on the couch or in the basement. And at like 5.30, dude, let's go. All right. I'd get in the truck, sleep. Next thing you know, I'd be here. So that was okay for me. First time we came, it was great. Place was filled with men looking to do what's right for God, building relationships. You know, we were like, yes. And then I came in and sat down, and they had a band playing, and no bass player. And the worship director at that time, God rest his soul, man, it was a good dude, Dave Jennings. He looked out, and he's like, all these guys here, you think there would be one guy that could play bass? Just one. Vince and the guys at my table knew, and I was just like, What? What did he say? And so they let it slide that time. But we really liked it. It was really cool. So we came back again. Same thing happens again. You know, no bass player. I was like, this guy's not showing up. Like, this would be fun. And so that time, you know, he's like, man, he was talking to somebody on the stage. He wasn't even talking out here. We were sitting right, our table was right there, a little closer maybe. You think there'd be one guy that could play bass? And all of a sudden, all the guys at my table were like, yo, that dude. And I was like, man, it's too early to be doing this. <laughs> but I went up and did it anyway. And I made some friends. And, you know, and we loved this ministry. I loved it. And then Vince and I got into leadership. I ended up having to be here at 530. Woo, I'm telling you, talk about making a sacrifice then. <laughs> so, but Vince became a table leader at our table. I came in and did the worship team. We would get here, we'd have to leave at 4.30. I mean, literally, I had to pencil in. Like, we would come here, do ministry, ride back, and then I would sleep for another four hours because that was a lot of stuff early in the morning. But and I ended up moving here, actually, eventually, so that's later down the line. But So when we came to this ministry, we sat at that table, we started to build relationships. And Vince and I were already friends, and we were trying to encourage each other on to read the Bible, to read the Word, to be good husbands, to be good fathers. And when I say good, I mean... I don't know if you ever achieve good the way you want, but you should be constantly chasing it. You know, it says do it with excellence. You may not achieve excellence, but always strive for excellence. Always strive to be better in what you're doing. Always strive to be a better husband. Always try to be a good father. And I tell you what, half that is being there. Whenever your work takes away from your ability to be there for somebody, that may be a conflict of interest. You know, now on an everyday basis, I understand you've got to have balance, you know. But if you're, if you're fed and led by the Holy Spirit, you can find that balance very easily. You know, it's like, hey, there's times where I can't make it to everything, but it can't be always something at work coming up and taking away from family. So we started talking about that a long time ago. I don't know if anybody here is from the olden days when we were iron sharpens iron. They gave us these little cards. And then... Nobody would ever talk about it. And it was like, Vince and I, we'd get to our table, and we were like, 
why sacrifice going to church, being around other men, and talking about these things and hearing these great sermons and be like, man, that dude was on fire. He was on point. Woo, full of the Holy Spirit. And then leave and go right back to looking at porn, thinking negatively about your wife that maybe there's something else out there better. That's a lie. As a matter of fact, every one of you here that talked about sharing your faith, if you have a friend that's struggling in his relationship, divorce, separation, or even thinking about it is of the devil, and that's when you need to share your faith with somebody. Till death do you part, those are the best opportunities because they're hurting, they're looking for something. They may not know it, they need Jesus. That's an SOS 911, intervene for me right now. And if you're a man who's following the Lord, you need to do that. In love, let them know you care and let them know that that's not the path they want to go down. If you really see divorce in a spiritual way, Imagine one person, because when you're married, you're one flesh. Imagine a monster coming up, grabbing you by the neck and ripping you into two bloody pieces, bone snap, flesh torn. I'm saying this because Vince and I had this talk because I went through the divorce and I didn't want to do it again because that pain was horrible. And I was like, when you look at it like that, you know, and I thought, Lord, you know, maybe I should stay with my wife no matter what, try to reconcile. And I did. That didn't work. She didn't want that. There was nothing I could do. So, you know, there were times where I just called Vince and blithered like an idiot on the phone. We would meet. We would just pray. Sometimes he would pray for me. Sometimes we would just talk about football. Sometimes we would just talk about video games. Sometimes we would play video games till 6 o'clock in the morning, you know. It didn't matter as long as we were together. And he was encouraging me to do right. We were in agreement that God's word was true. Everything in it was true, whether I understood it or not. And that encouraged me to do some other stuff. So when we agreed that we were going to do that, we were like, hey, when was the last time you read the whole Bible? I was like, read the whole Bible? I'll read, you know, New Testament, you know, the Old Testament. Does that really even matter? Yes, it matters. If you call yourself a Christian, and I may be stepping on some people's toes here, I'm sorry, it's not my intention. If you are a Christian, though, and you love Jesus, and Jesus is what? The Word made flesh. I question seriousness of people who say they're Christians and they don't read their Bible. And I'm not saying you got to read the whole thing in one sitting, but if you've been a Christian for any amount of years, like three or four, you should have read the Bible one time in its entirety from beginning to end. And Vince and I encouraged each other, let's do that. Let's do it together. Let's talk about it. Let's chew it up. Instead of talking football statistics, let's talk about what does it mean when the Bible says, he that pisseth against the wall. What does it mean when this says this in the Bible? And we don't have to come to an understanding. We just talk about it. God's word is absolute. It serves a purpose. And the way we came to an understanding was that the more scripture we had in our body, in our spirit, the more success we could have later. I feel like if you know the entire Bible, then you've got everything God ever intended for you to have to have victory in a certain situation. If you've read it, then you've deposited it. You don't have to memorize it. The Holy Spirit will say, hey, remember when you read this? And you'll be like, ding, that's what that means. And it's good to talk about it with somebody because we can have our perspective on it. You know, we used to love, I went to a swap meet once and Vince told me not to do it, but I worked at a church that was uh, not as ethnically diverse as a lot of churches could be. And there was a booth that had 
about five Jesuses, every flavor you could get. They had lily white Jesus, blonde hair and blue eyes, all the way down to Rastafarian braided, really muscular Jesus. I liked that one. I wanted to post that one in the foyer of a, a little white Dutch Reformed church and watch people's heads blow up when they came in. <laughs> Vince said that probably wasn't a good idea. I was like, I know, but it is funny. He's like, you're right, it is funny. And we talked about the person of Jesus. You know, What do you think Jesus would do if this happened? Why do people pray for sporting events? Doesn't he love everybody evenly? What good does it do? He's like, you're right. You know, you like to think that it's like, well, God's going to help the Wolverines, you know? And this is going to be the hardest thing I have to say this morning, all right? So please understand. When I have to understand that God loves the Buckeyes too, all right? My sports fandom cannot overcome my faith ability and sensibility in any situation, you know? I wear this because I support U of M. If you like Michigan State, fine. If you like Ohio State, I'm fine with that too. Those things can't be, you cannot be more passionate about sports and cars than people who are hurting in God's word. If that is where you are, then come up here afterwards, I'll pray for you. All right? It's about the perspective we have, and God's word gives you perspective. Vince's journey to faith impacted me because I had a faith perspective on everything I was doing. And that became important. When you have a friendship, it opens the door for what I like to call true accountability. I told you about those little cards we got. Vince and I were like, hey, man, we should do accountability. But we were fortunate enough to have a friendship that had no secrets. You know, we worked in an industry where we sold pornography on a daily basis. We had to look at it on a daily basis because you had to unpack these boxes of pornography. So that was a place where it was like, hey, it wasn't, are you dealing with porn? It was like, hey, how bad is your porn problem this week? I only had three days. I had two. Ah, gotcha. Because we didn't judge each other. There are people here now who are afraid that there's a secret sin somewhere in your life that's keeping you from being able to tell somebody. And that reason is because you don't have a friend that you know trusts you, that you can trust, that loves you, that you love. Because if you did, you'd be like, man, I'm dealing with porno. I've been flirting with this girl at work. I've been stealing. I mean, you should be able to pour your heart to that person and know that you're in a safe place. Vince and I had that kind of accountability, and I know it's not easy to get to. But we could talk about it, you know. Hey, what do you got? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, lust of your heart, lasciviousness. Just discontent in general, which can open the door for a lot of things, you know. And I feel like I need to say this. So lust of the eye, I see something, I want it. It doesn't have to be a woman necessarily. I would consider that more or less of your flesh, satisfying yourself. Lust of the eye is I'm going to run with this credit card because I want some stuff that I really can't afford to buy, and I feel like I just need to have it. Vince and I both struggle with that a lot, you know. But Vince and I talked about the financial issues that plagued his marriage in the early days. You know, by the time I got married again, you know, I've been married now. So 
we came to resident after I came to men's ministry, I got invited to the singles ministry. And I thought, man, you know, men's ministry turned out okay. Maybe the singles is all right. But this is where the real losers of the church go, you know. You just can't find nobody. Nobody wants you. So you just all get together and cry and feel bad for it. And, uh, but I went, and I went there, and I was like, I got in the back door, and I was like, nope. Can't do it, man. This is the, definitely the not cool kids table of res. And right when I walked in, somebody recognized me from high school. And they're like, Troy, what's going on, man? I was like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, he's like, man, he's like, we got, we got a worship team, and we've just been looking for a bass player. And, and, and our worship leader's been praying for a bass player. And I was like, dude, I have no interest whatsoever. And he's like, this is Paula. I was like, I have no. You guys need a bass player, huh? Well, let me come over here and sit down for a second. God used that because I ended up, so fast forward because I don't want to run out of time. We've been married for 17 years. All right. Vince was a big reason for that. He showed me that you could change, that you could love your wife, that you could lead your home, that you could impact people. You didn't have to be this successful front of the newspaper, Time Magazine, on the radio. You don't have to be the pastor. Pastors have enough work to do. The ministry is supposed to sustain itself through each one of us doing our part. And if accountability can help you, it'll be a blessing for you. I guarantee you, I wouldn't be married today for 17 years. I wouldn't have three kids who were drug addicts when I married my wife, now serving the Lord. If I hadn't been shown how to get on my knees and pray for my family and be present when I needed to be present. You know, today we have a super infatuation with heroes. You know what a hero does? It just does something you can't do for yourself. You can be a hero with somebody if you can speak word into their life and you can love them. And you can show them that they have value in the kingdom. Again, I said maybe we should look at how we measure a man's value by the tears that are shed after they're gone. Because I don't know if I'll ever stop shedding tears for the loss of my friend. But I can truly say, I can truly say what a friend I had through Jesus. Because of our friendship in Jesus taught me how to be a friend. It taught me how to receive from my friend. And it made my life better. I'm better today because of it. I'm a better husband today because of it. I'm a better employee today because of it. And I hope this story was inspiring to you in some way. I don't even know if I touched on anything that I wanted to. But the value of a friendship in, Lord, in the Lord cannot be replaced by anything. Faithful are the wounds from a friend who loves you and calls you out because he wants you to be better and to rise above. And that's what places like this are for. Take advantage of it. Thank you so much for letting me come talk about this with you.